This podcast has been sponsored by Haleon. Please note that the views expressed in this episode are not those of Haleon, but of trusted industry opinion leaders. There will be discussions about mental health and topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. For more information on how Haleon can help you and your pharmacy team this cold and flu season, head to the Haleon Health Partner portal found at www.haleonhealthpartner.com. Haleon, delivering better everyday health with humanity. I'm Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and welcome to this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, brought to you in association with Haleon. Pharmacy is suffering from a mental wellness crisis. Stress levels are rising and the risk of burnout is at an all-time high. Problems exacerbated during what has been an exceptionally busy cold and flu season. So how do we better understand stress and burnout? Can we recognise the warning signs? What practical ways are there of improving the mental wellness of pharmacy teams? In this podcast, we talk to a panel of experts to get some answers. Coming up, Melissa Cochran from Pharmacist Support explains how we can build resilience in ourselves and in our teams. And Harpreet Chana, founder and director of the Mental Wealth Academy, tells us what good mental wellness looks like and gives us some tips and advice for staying mentally well at work. This podcast was recorded before the publication of the latest RPS Workforce and Wellbeing Survey, which found that a barely believable 96% of those working in community pharmacy feel themselves to be at high risk of burnout, an incredibly concerning and distressing finding. So first, let's get a view from the front line. What are the key factors contributing to the mental wellness crisis in pharmacy? Why are things so bad? I'm joined by community pharmacist, lawyer and chair of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society English Pharmacy Board, Thorin Govins. And thanks, Thorin, for, for coming on to the podcast. Let's get some context here. What is the scale of pharmacy's mental wellness problem? It's really quite vast, isn't it? I mean, almost nine out of ten of pharmacists are at high risk of burnout. And that's according to survey uh, results published by the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. It's really heartbreaking to read some of the issues that people are coming up with when it, it comes to burnout. And people have highlighted inadequate staffing as a problem. So 70% of people uh, with that survey and almost two thirds raise long working hours and a lack of work-life balance as an issue. So I think We go out of our way to care for patients. We want to be there, you know, 24-7, but it it does have an impact on our pharmacy teams. And we have had some difficult behaviour as well. So customer behaviour, patient behaviour towards our pharmacy teams. And and that can be because maybe they're having frustration with other parts of the farm, not the pharmacy team, but the wider healthcare settings and access. So that means that sometimes their frustrations are taken out on pharmacists and their teams. Yeah, those that figure nine out of ten uh, pharmacists are at high risk of burnout. I mean, that's that's staggering, isn't it? And that's clearly, you know, very worrying um, indeed. 
And well, looking you know into the the, the next few months, we're expecting um, a bad flu season, aren't we? And, and combined with in- increasing levels of COVID, this is only going to add to the stress levels of pharmacy teams, isn't it? What can they do to cope? Absolutely, I think really we need to be more rigid in making sure that we look after ourselves and make sure that we protect our learning time and try and have some learning time facts into our to our day which can be difficult there's not an easy answer to this but fundamentally making sure that we are encouraging our teams and almost making it mandatory to have breaks um I think nobody wants to be in a situation where they haven't had a rest and then something goes wrong um, there's a whole load of guilt that comes with that as well. So there's really training on organisational skills that we need to equip our pharmacy teams with, like time management and workload prioritisation. Um, good regular team meetings can help as well. Because um, it's not just about the workload, it's also about our general mental wellness. You want to be working with people who understand together how you can all work together on the pressures that you're dealing with but you know I always say I'm someone who likes to find a bit of humor in situations where appropriate Um, and I think that's a really key element as well you want to be able to have a, a good laugh with your team and know that you're all in it together as well. Yeah and I guess there's a lot that that maybe pharmacists uh, can do as leaders and managers to to build resilience in their team as well. Um, what kind of things have you seen on the ground that 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 work well with regards to to building resilience within the team? I think it's that prioritising of workload and really talking to each other um, through the day. You know, what are we going to tackle first? What are the priorities? more and more I think we're starting to be more open with our colleagues aren't we about how we're feeling I think that's changed through the pandemic people have started to probably bring more of their work life home and more of their home life to work potentially because I remember during the pandemic you know I've had colleagues who were struggling perhaps with childcare issues because if we were open, but a lot of places weren't open, so they didn't have those regular support mechanisms that they used to have. They maybe couldn't take their children to the grandparents because we had all the lockdown measures. So people are starting to talk more within their teams, and that can only be a good thing. The Halion um, team have also got a Halion Health Partner Portal. So that's got some um, some useful tips for pharmacy teams on reducing stress and potential burnout as well. And we can't forget, of course, our fantastic charity, Pharmacist Support, who help families, uh, pharmacists, pharmacists themselves, and former pharmacists and pharmacy students, because they are doing some f- fantastic work um, with psychological support. Um, and they can also fund counselling sessions, which is amazing. Yes, and we, we're going to be talking with Melissa from Pharmacist Support later in the podcast. Fantastic charity, as you as you say, Thor, and do so much good work uh, to support pharmacists and their families and pharmacy students with um, some of these issues that we're talking about. And well, I mean, what do you do um, personally to manage your own mental well-being? You're an incredibly busy person. You're, you're, you're juggling a lot of tasks and roles. Um, how do you keep yourself? mentally up to speed and fit and healthy 
Yeah, I mean, on that point, I, I wouldn't want anyone to think that we all haven't been through some level of, of difficulty with our mental health. Maybe we don't always identify it. But, you know, it's part of the cycle of life, isn't it? But it's also recognising where that tipping point is. Um, and personally, what really works well for me is I try and schedule in daily walks where I just it's just me and my headphones and a bit of music and just getting getting outside and I know when I'm working, I always like to get out of the pharmacy during lunchtime when I have a break. Um, I always make sure that my team members have had a break. I think they get sick of me asking, you know, have you been on your break? I'm quite regimented with the teams in ensuring that they have a break. I also know that it's really important to do other things outside of pharmacy. So I'm really appreciative that, you know, I do have the sort of other interests as well, other hobbies, which I get involved with. So I think it's about making sure that we're talking to our teams as well, because it's not easy and we're still dealing with the pandemic. We're still dealing with COVID and the worries that people have on that. So um, I think something that's always benefited me is just having a chat with a colleague and a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And that never um, is a wasted moment when you're in a hectic pharmacy because you do need to press pause occasionally and just reset um, if you've got, and it's good for safety as well, isn't it? Now I'm joined by Pharmacist Support's Wellbeing Development Manager, Melissa Cochran. Thanks for coming on to the pod, Melissa. Um, I want to talk about burnout and, and building resilience in pharmacy teams. What is it? And, and is there a difference between burnout and stress? Yeah, that's a great question. And you can feel stressed about almost anything. So you can feel stressed about family life, work, relationships, financial pressures. The list can go on and on. The difference between stress and burnout is that burnout is considered an occupational phenomenon. So in the 11th revision of the International Classification of Diseases, they, they added burnout and they specify that this is an occupational phenomenon. So in other words, burnout has to do specifically with work. Burnout is the result of chronic workplace stress that's not been successfully managed. So you could look at it as stress being the precursor to burnout. So if you're, if you're feeling really stressed at work and you're not able to manage this stress well, it can build and then become burnout. Um, and burnout is recognizable by three, it, it has three dimensions that make it recognizable. So the first is feelings of energy deple depletion or exhaustion. The second is increased mental distance between a person and their job. So they're not feeling as connected. Some people might feel kind of cynical about their work. Um, and, and the third is reduced professional efficacy, so not doing as well in their job. So how do you deal with burnout then as an individual? That's a, it's a good question, and it's, it, the answer is a little bit different than you might imagine. There are things that you can do as an individual, but the onus, because it's a workplace phenomenon, we have to see it in that context. And the onus can't just be on the individual to manage their well-being when there's burnout going on, it's something that needs to be handled ideally as an organization. So I think ideally you would deal with stress early on in order to prevent it becoming burnout. Um, 
it's probably a good idea here to look at what contributes to workplace stress, because if you address these things, you can both prevent the burnout and also deal with it as it happens. So when you're looking at research in this area, it becomes clear that there are several factors at play. So mainly we find that things that contribute to burnout are a poor working environment, unrealistic deadlines, poor communication in the workplace, poor interpersonal relationships, the person feeling that they have too much responsibility on their shoulders, um, that there's limited participation in decision-making or people feeling like they have low control over their area of work. So they don't feel that they have agency over their work. Um, that working hours are inflexible, that there's not enough staffing, and that there's um, there are pressures in terms of work-life balance and people don't feel that they've got the balance right. Um, another thing that's really worth highlighting here is that a lack of management support can have quite detrimental effects on the well-being of people at work. So if you want to look at what you can do to address and prevent burnout, you want to look at changing any of those things. Um, and it's going to be quite different depending on um, what your workplace is and what the issues are. But I'd say if you could start with making sure that people feel supported, that there's a strong team around them, that they've got management support, that um, there are good relationships at work, that can help to provide a buffer. Um, and then, of course, there are the issues around staffing and working hours and work-life balance that are really important to address. Yeah, so the onus then very clearly on, on employers uh, to, to kind of address some of these issues. Um, do you get the sense that, that we're taking burnout and stress seriously in, in pharmacy now? I think there's much more of an acknowledgement that there's an issue now. Yeah, I, I, I hear from people that they want to know what to do, but they're not entirely sure what that might be. Um, so I think I think there is uh, a lot more awareness and acknowledgement now. And what tips, Melissa, do you have for, for building resilience in pharmacy teams, especially as we're about to enter a, a, what will, I'm sure, be a very busy winter period? Well, I think the first thing that pharmacy teams can do is ensure that there's supportive line management for employees. Um, so this is a major factor in well-being in the workplace, um, so much so that here at Pharmacist Support, we're working on creating training for managers, employers, and pharmacy leaders on supporting workplace well-being. Um, and this will be coming out next year, so there'll be more information about that. But that's that's a big part of it. Um, I think in terms of what individuals can do for themselves, there are things that we can do to help ourselves. So taking some time to breathe, and I mean quite literally taking time to breathe. Um, there are mindfulness apps and breathing exercises that can be done, and those can help to bring down the stress response when you need it. Um, so it's really worth looking at those. We do have some uh, videos that people can watch on our website to learn some breathing exercises. And these can be done discreetly and quickly when you're feeling a moment of stress. Um, another thing that people can do is make sure that they take time for lunch and outdoor breaks. 
And this is really important, especially in winter, because, you know, with it being dark so much later into the morning and getting dark again quite early in the afternoon, if you're working during those hours, you might not get the benefit of daylight at all in the day. So it's really important in your working day to make sure that you get outside, get some light into your eyes, breathe that air. Um, the light is really important for mental health and for sleep and circadian rhythms. So I think if we can make time and space for that, that's another really good thing to do. Um, and then it's looking at team culture. So taking some time to celebrate other people in team meetings, um, making sure there's a culture of positivity. Um, that's really important. And, and checking in with each other within the team and talking about how you're doing. Leadership can take a, a big role here and start a conversation about mental health. It really helps if these things come from the top because it kind of gives other people permission to talk about these things. Um, but yeah, checking in and really um, showing somebody that you care about how they're doing can be really key. Melissa Cochran there from Pharmacist Support. And before that, we heard from RPS English Pharmacy Board Chair, Thorin Govind. So now I'm delighted to talk to Harpreet Chana, founder and chief executive of the Mental Wealth Academy, which supports pharmacy professionals in dealing with stress and burnout. Welcome, Harpreet. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I'd like to explore with you what pharmacy teams can do during the winter season to boost resilience and reduce the risk of stress and burnout. But first, let's maybe take a step back. What does good mental wellness look like? Great question. Um, so and you can go to a number of different sources and I'll say different things about this. But from my personal experience as somebody who has you know, worked in pharmacy for over 16 years, worked at national level, struggled with stress and burnout herself, mental wellness for me is being able to understand how we individually respond to stress and being able to put practices in place so that we can self-regulate better. It's what the whole concept of the Mental Wealth Academy is all about um, because, you know, there's lots and lots of, when we look at stress and we look at burnout, there's there are different causes and there are lots of external causes, but there are lots of internal ones as well. And when I'm training pharmacy teams up and down the country and I talk about these external causes, these are the ones that we know, these are the ones that are in the media, these are the ones that we read about. But when I talk about the internal causes and to say, actually, how much of this is because of the way that we're responding to the, those external causes that are always going to be there, um, you know, that suddenly eyes light up and pop and think, actually, you know what, this is the stuff that we can do something about. And it absolutely is. Um, so mental wellness for me really is, you know, understanding ourselves better, um, being kinder to ourselves, prioritising our, our mental health in the same way that we do our physical health and really starting to change the way that we are responding to some of these external causes so that we can self-regulate and self-manage better. So let's talk about these internal causes in Harpreet. What's controllable? So I mean I talk, I talk about this quite openly and there's a particular slide I use because I talk about it as a being a fe- being a recipe for a stressed pharmacist and this actually isn't just pharmacists as well this is anyone who works in pharmacy because we we all get into the sector into the profession because we care and we want to help 
um, and I speak to hundreds of pharmacists um, on a daily basis and that's generally what they will tell me halfway I, I, I got into this job because I really just wanted to make a difference I wanted to help people and uh, unfortunately what happens with that is that there's lots of particular how can I put this characteristics and personality traits firstly for people who go into the job and then secondly what happens as a result of the job that we do so for instance you can't really go into pharmacy if you're not somebody who pays attention to detail if you think about the fact that the majority of us are checking all day um, you have to be able to spot those nuances you have to be able to spot those little um, you know uh, issues with detail so that's one of the for instance things that I I joke all the time and say this is my PhD thesis coming up that uh, I would love to be able to do one day. So if anyone's listening and wants to do this, it's looking at what kind of traits, um, you know, what what makes us want to be pharmacists in the first place or technicians, as it was the case maybe. What makes us want to get into pharmacy? What traits do we have? And then what the job does to us over a period of time. So there are some traits, as I said, the kind of attention to detail um, is one of them. There's many other things as well. Um, but you've asked me specifically about um, these internal causes. What happens is as a result of the job that we do, we do pick up some of these. And the classic one I can um, talk about is perfectionism. And for many of us, we start off life, um, you know, in a dispensary, and which means that we are checking the accuracy of everybody else. We're checking the accuracy of the prescribers. We're checking the accuracy of the person that's dispensed the medication. We are that last fail safe before that medication reaches the patient. And so our job, we do, you know, we take very, very seriously and it's drummed into us at university. And when we're training that we have to be accurate in what we do, because if, you know, if we're not and the patient gets the wrong medication or at the wrong dose, they could and do die. And so we have a real pressure and, and pharmacists really carry this like round like a backpack, that real pressure of I've got to make sure that everything's right, which, you know, at work fine fair enough but for a lot of us it seeps into our personal life as well and so when we live in a world where we can't make mistakes and we can't we have to be accurate all the time it leads us to feeling uh, you know to feeling that we have to be perfect and so we struggle with perfectionism now what why is that a problem well if everything has to be perfect it means that everything that you do or expect of others is at an incredibly high standards uh, and so most of us in pharmacy will have these really high unrelenting standards of ourselves and others and if we don't meet those standards ourselves we really beat ourselves up why can't i do this what's wrong with me i should have done this i should have done that if other people don't meet those high standards we take on their work for ourselves and so what we'll end up doing is you know what i'll just do that job myself because it's quicker it's easier i'll do it right and i'll do it accurately and you know it rather than me wasting the time trying to get somebody else to do it. And so those workloads, which are already demanding, we take additional work on, not realising it's because we have this perfectionistic you know, tendency and we need these high standards. Um, and so that's how our workloads increase, because you know we can't say no to people. That's another thing that we struggle with. We struggle with guilt, which is why we can't say no. You know, We came into the profession because we care. We put the needs of everybody else above our own. And so we won't say no. We will feel guilty all the time. We're hugely self-critical. And when you start to add all of these together, this um, is why we struggle in the way that we do. And a lot of it is actually, and you know, I can say this, I coach many, many people in pharmacy. I train many people in pharmacy. I see this time and time again. We are battering ourselves 
trying to live up to impossibly high ideals and standards, comparing ourselves to others who we feel are, you know, are doing better than we are and there's something wrong with us because we can't cope. And it's these tendencies, Richard, it's, you know, you think about if that's running through your head the majority of the day, you are not going to want to feel motivated and inspired to do your best at work. You are going to want to just stay at home and hide under the duvet because who wants to feel like that all day? But that's what's going on at the moment. Um, it's, it's a part of it. Uh, I actually think if you ask me what the biggest key is for trying to reduce the, these feelings of stress and burnout, it would be actually self-compassion and being okay with good enough. They're the two big things. Um, so, you know, not treating ourselves badly if we can't do the things that we're wanting and, and actually, um, being okay with good enough and not really pushing for that perfect standard all the time. They would be the two biggest delegation is part of that. And prioritisation as well. The other thing that we struggle with in our sector is we're very reactive. It's difficult to be proactive in our sector. It's not impossible. I work with people every day. We can, you can be, you can plan and you can be a bit more proactive. But generally, we are reactive. And when you're working in a busy environment where you've got 50 people wanting you at the same time, right? And you've got people pulling you in this direction, that direction. What ends up happening is you'll start something. You'll get pulled away to do something else. You'll start that. You'll get pulled away to do something else. You'll start that. And sometimes I remember when in the dispensary, I would feel like I've literally got my finger in about 20 different things, none of which I finished. And so you get to the end of the day thinking, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. And you have, of course you have, but it's because you've ended up going down about 50 rabbit holes because of all these things that you've been asked to do and it's not quick and you're then going to chase and things like that. Um, so delegation, yes, is part of is part of it, but then we have to lose, lose that control piece which comes with the perfectionism and you have to be a invest the time in helping you know train other people that can help you and it's also picking up the leadership piece as well and this is why I do well-being and leadership I don't just do the one because the two go hand in hand and you know we I do think we do a bit of a disservice in our sector we don't really um, provide good leadership training across the sector not just in communities it's across the sector um, which would then allow us to sweat the strengths of our team a bit better. So when you're delegating, it's looking at not just, you know, what work can I possibly delegate to others and, and who can do it, but actually, do they want to do it? And is that their strength? And in what can I do to sweat my own strengths, English operate, the strengths of um, the team that I'm working with and actually involve them in the process too? And so it really is learning and evolving as a leader to lead the team more effectively so that you can start to relieve some of that pressure on yourself. What tips and advice would you have for pharmacy teams to stay mentally well at work this winter? The first thing I would say is that make well-being a priority. It's not just a tick box exercise. I know it can be um, for some and it has been uh, particularly during the pandemic oh you know we've got a few posters out or we kind of it's mental world mental health day so we kind of we acknowledge that it's about making it a priority and it's about leading by example and you know if you are a manager of a team are you taking your breaks are you scheduling your holidays are you doing things for yourself and are you prioritizing your well-being day to day because whatever you're doing the team is watching and they will follow your example and so if you are somebody who does take schedule breaks away from your workspace, 
you are putting in your holidays, you do do things for yourself and you openly not only talk about it in front of the team, but encourage others to do the same and say, you know, I'm going to have a well-being day this weekend. I'm going to do this for myself. And what can you do for your well-being this weekend or, you know, this evening? That kind of thing, really getting them to think about what are they doing for themselves? Um, You know, practicing that self-care and actually, act. you know, working with your team to say, what can you do for yourself this week around self-care? whether it's during the day, whether it's, um, you know, in the evening. So that's that's kind of one tip is um, really do lead by example and make it a priority. Talk about it. It's not just a thing that we we talk about when it's, you know, World Mental Health Day. This is something we should be talking about every day. Um, and we need to also make it a safe space for people to talk about their mental health. You know, we have no problem at all coming into work saying, oh, I've got a backache or I've got a headache or my stomach's not very well today. But very few of us would ever come in and say, I'm feeling really anxious today or I'm feeling um, stressed or I didn't sleep very well last night or I'm feeling a bit low. Um, But we should be able to do that because just as we don't have 100 percent, you know, tip top physical health every day, we're not going to have 100 percent tip top mental health every day either. And again, as a leader, you can show some vulnerability, which is a key leadership skill, and actually talk about your you know, own mental health in a way to encourage others to talk about it as well. And sometimes just talking about it makes you feel better. Having a bit of a moan makes you feel better, you know, having a discussion with somebody else. Um, so, you know, it's about op- having that environment in the workplace where you can talk openly about mental health. Um, and then, you know, how often are you talking to your teams? How often are you getting them together? to talk about things do you check in with them regularly and by check in I don't mean how are you while you're checking a prescription and on the phone at the same time on hold somewhere it's about actually giving that person the time and space how are you no but how are you really how are things get to know them a bit better what's going on for them um you know build some of that trust and that relationship so they feel that they can come to you um and you know and this is not just managers that's team members as well check in with each other how are you how are you doing you know, really listen to them when they're giving you the answer. Don't be doing three things at once. Try and really listen to what they're saying and encourage, you know, daily or weekly huddles. In, in our sector, we're far too, well, actually, it's not just in our sector. People generally, we, as humans, we generally tend to dwell on the negative. So we'll look at the things we haven't done or we look at the things we haven't accomplished or have yet to do. But very few of us actually congratulate ourselves on the things that we have done. And so one of the things I always recommend is to have a, you know, a game review, either daily or weekly, um, and actually encourage the team together to come together and say, what have we managed to achieve this week? What are we proud of that we've achieved? Rather than looking at all the things that you haven't, rather than looking around at all the work that hasn't been completed, let's focus on the things that have gone well this week, because it sets you up for a really good week the following weeks, so whether you do it on a Friday evening huddle or a Monday morning Let's look at what we did last week. It just gets you started on a good footing rather than focusing on that negativity um, and bringing that team together for, you know, those daily and weekly huddles uh, and, and celebrating those small wins as a team and, you know, trying to incentivize and motivate each other to kind of say, what can you do for your well-being this week? But, and having those conversations can make a massive difference. <laughs> Harpreet Chana there from the Mental Wealth Academy. And that brings this special edition of the podcast to a close. My thanks to Harpreet and to Thoron Govind and Melissa Cochran. A reminder that lots of information and support on mental wellness can be found on the Pharmacist Support and Halion websites. Details in the show notes to this podcast. My name is Richard Thomas. 
Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode sponsored by Halion. Halion, delivering better everyday health with humanity. Thank <laughs> you.